Hello and welcome back, all you ready or not fanatics. Happy one year of pandemic, Brit. Oh my gosh, I was just going over the dates today. Like I remember exactly what I was doing on March 13th of last year. My favorite memory is washing the groceries before putting them in the fridge. What about you? Honestly, it feels like such a blur. I just remember being in the grocery store on Friday, March 13th, and almost having a bit of a panic attack in the grocery store because it was so busy for a Friday afternoon. And I felt very unprepared. Like, should I buy this? And I remember throwing paper towel in the cart for no good reason. The good old days, right? Yeah, the good old days. Let's set all of that aside. We're welcoming a very exciting guest right after this. I'm Amy. And I'm Britt. You're listening to Still Not Ready, the original podcast about our favorite Canadian teen drama from the 90s, the super cringy, ready or not. Tonight, we're joined by YouTuber, writer, film director, stop motion animator, and host of Podcast Valley Sunday, a podcast about the Monkeys TV show, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Paco. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yay. This is very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I better get everything in there. Uh, but what name do you go by these days? Are you still going by Corduroy Paco? Yeah, we, yeah, I could do that for sure. That's the professional name, I guess. Yeah, the stage name? <laughs> the stage name, yeah. Because <laughs> you're Corduroy Paco on YouTube mm-hmm. and Corduroy Paco are on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. Instagram as well. And then the uh, stop motion is Corduroy Frames. Just Corduroy Frames. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit. Perfect. <laughs> Would you still say that you're a YouTuber? You know what? I haven't done a video. It's been almost exactly one year because I did one about the coronavirus when it started. And I was even like, who knows? In three weeks, we might be like, what was the coronavirus? And uh, I might do one a year later. Like, so I guess I guess we're still talking about that. Still <laughs> happening. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> You did it for years and years. It's Corduroy Paco's mobile vlogging unit. Yep, yep. The song plays in my head every time I scroll by something of yours on like Instagram or Facebook. Um, But more recently, you wrote and directed We Are Now 25, the story of Sonic Onion Records. Um, Sonic Onion being an independent record label based out of Hamilton, Ontario, just released in December, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a Boxing Day release on YouTube. Okay, so you had to do like the virtual <laughs> exactly, release. Yeah, yeah we're going to do a whole Q&A and everything. And then we're just like, Ugh, I'll just record a, an intro for it. Yeah, and that's just on YouTube, at, right? Anyone can watch yeah. that. Yeah, if yeah. You want to check it, that out. that way for everyone. Um, so how did you get involved in that project? Um, the Sonic Onion or Union, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I had made a documentary about a band called The Reason. And uh, in that one, we traveled across Canada by train and they played fans' house parties and like contest winners' house parties and stuff. And then through that, uh, the Sonic Onion guys were doing a documentary. They wanted to do one at the same time as I was going to pitch them to do one. So it worked out perfect. Like I thought I was coming into audition for it and they were just like, you're the guy, just go for it. I was like, fantastic. Great. And 
Yeah. And like growing up, like they were a really major label in the nineties, not major label, but you know, a bigger important label in the nineties. And I was one of those kids at every show wearing the shirts, buying everything. And so to be able to be the one to tell that story and to be able to kind of live in my own nostalgia of the nineties for a year and go through their old records and old pictures and everything. It was just the greatest for me. Yeah. You're very passionate about your nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little too much. I think I worried I don't live in the now cause I'm always thinking about years ago. Did you do that whole documentary in quarantine? No, we did it actually the year before. So it kind of worked out perfectly the timing of doing it because good so. timing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you're joining us for this episode because the other episode we were thinking of having you on for was the one when busy and Amanda's gay karate teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this episode or season one, episode 12 of ready or not wildlife has some interesting tie-ins with like the Toronto music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sort of early 90s. So I think we're going to have some fun with this one. Yeah, although I, I, I do know a little bit about gay karate coaches, I know more about like 90s alternative garage bands. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your second your yeah. second interest, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's my fallback interest. <laughs> but first, the monkeys. Yes. So you started Podcast Valley Sunday about a year and a half ago. And your co-host is your cousin, Jeff. Yep, yep. Is it real-life cousin, or is it one of those, like, you call them your cousin? No, real-life cousin. Okay, because I was going to say, I have this sort of strange connection to your co-host. His dad was, like, my godfather as when I was a baby. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah. I think and, godfathers are for life, Amy. Are they? The, well, the funny thing is Jeff's dad and my dad had a band in like high school and college called oh, really? Rot- yeah, Rotten Ronnie and the Reverbs. Wow, that's a great name. The R-Cubed. Yeah, weird connection. Anyways, so you're going like episode by episode of the Monkees TV show. This is embarrassing, but I did not know the Monkees were a band were not a band before they had the TV show. Oh, me neither. When I was younger and watched them, I always thought the monkeys are obviously better than the Beatles because they gave them their own TV show. <laughs> but it was like, then you find out, it was like, no, there was a TV show first and somehow they became a real band mm-hmm. out of that TV show, which is so weird to me. Like it's such a, like a 60s phenomenon that seems it could only happen at that time. Yeah, but then my first question would be, who wrote the music? Originally, it was like like Neil Diamond wrote uh, I'm a Believer. Carol King and King and Goffin, they wrote stuff. And just a whole bunch of like session people were writing, as well as Mike Nesmith, like one of the actual monkeys. He was a songwriter. It's like two of them were actors and two of them were musicians. So then the musicians kind of came in and started writing their own music. It was just this weird like people just bought into this band on TV so much they wanted to see them play live. So like Mickey Dolenz had to learn to play drums so he could play to 20,000 people in an arena and stuff like that. So, yeah, I always thought it was like sort of an S club seven type situation, (laughs) (laughs) but we have to ask like, why the monkeys? Jeff and I got super into the monkeys. Like for me, it was like the summer before high school. Like, 
the time when you really want to look cool going into high school and I get into the monkeys like crazy. And for some reason, he and I just loved the monkeys so much. And now when it came time, we wanted to do a podcast about something and we couldn't figure out what. And then it was just like, dude, we know a lot about the monkeys. And like, there's a couple podcasts out there about them, but ours is a little more, I say like the punk rock version of the other ones, because the other ones are so proper and professional. And not that we're not professional, but we're also like goofy and laughy and like go off on little tangents about things that other monkeys fans might be into, but I don't know. It's a very niche market we're hitting right here. It's not right. So, but when did you start watching the monkeys? Because I remember it played like in syndication on much music. When was that? That was in like would have been like ninety three, ninety four. And I start, I'd watch them when I was younger, younger, like at my grandmother's house, you know, it'd be on like channel 49, you needed the rabbit ears to get it. And uh, so I started then, but then Jeff got the box set and we really got into the music. And it was like, again, to me, they were a band and then a TV show. So I was getting into this music and be like, wow, look at this, not even really realizing they were kind of a made for TV band. <laughs> and then when you find that out, you're like, oh, and then you can dig deeper and deeper and deeper. So there's two seasons, right? You just started season two. And then you sort of, in between seasons, you kind of did random bonus episodes. And somehow you nailed an interview with Mike Nesmith, one of the monkeys, one of the two that are still alive. But I wouldn't even call it like an interview. It's like two buds hanging out. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. Like, it sounds so silly, like Danny would else, but like Mike Nesmith was like a serious influence on like from being 14 till whenever, you know what I mean? And it was a big, a big deal to chat with him. And I was so nervous, like, don't meet your idols kind of thing. I thought he might just be like, yeah, okay. Hey man, thanks a lot. See you later. But for whatever reason, we just chatted for like almost an hour. It's supposed to be a 10 to 15 minute conversation. And he and I just kept going and going and going. And it felt like I was talking to a buddy. It was crazy. Now, was this a phone call or video? Video. It was, yeah. Over okay. Zoom. Because I was going to ask, how did you know that you're talking to the real actor? <laughs> yeah. That's what I would have wondered too, if it was just a phone call. <laughs> it's just some guy putting on it. It's like some guy in Mexico. Or just isn't he the one that looks like, um, that looks like Derek from Sum 41? Oh, no, that's Mickey. Mickey looks like yeah. he's got that squishy face. Okay. Because there's <laughs> one I remember they compare, and I was thinking, what if it's just Derek, you know, like doing cameos? <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, like, but there's a big age difference there. <laughs> I know, but you've seen Catfish, Amy. The lighting isn't good. <laughs> the connection's poor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. We're actually trying to get Derek to be on our show because we heard that his first favorite band was the monkeys. Oddly okay. enough, ironic. Maybe it's because he's like, the guy looks like me. Wait. I could be like that. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, don't you have an end? Didn't you meet him? No, you know what? I saw some 41 open up for Serial Joe at Front 54 in Thorold. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a little bit of a chat with Derek that night before they were <laughs> Before they went big, I guess. I have a Sum 41 story. 1997, me and my friend went to see the band Len, like two years before Steal My Sunshine came out. Like they're an indie rock band. They did their set and afterwards they go, these punkers followed us from Ajax and want to play a song. And it went up and it was Sum 41. 
and there were just these kids and they played a couple songs. I talked to him afterwards. I'm like, what's your band called? He said, some 41. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? What is that? And he kept saying, I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying to me. And then when they got big, I was like, some 41. That's what he was saying to me. So I've got these pictures of them as little kids playing after Len. That's a Canadian story right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like the Sum 41 was really hustling in the, uh, in the late 90s. Would it have been late 90s? Yeah, late 90s. That's how they made it. You got to do that hustle. And then he married Avril and that's yeah, it. married up. No, they're divorced though. Yeah, <laughs> she's with What's His Face from Nickelback. No, that's over too. You guys is are that way over? off. You guys are way off. <laughs> but it is a really cool chat that you guys have and it's, uh, it's up for everyone's listening pleasure on your podcast there. Yep. You like uh, actually smoke a joint with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I'd seen it a couple other ones. He had, he'd had a dude with them a couple times. So I had one just in case. And at first he's like, Oh no, they don't let me anymore. I was like, Oh, I had one just if you wanted to. He's like, you have one. Okay. I'll do it then. <laughs> so we're just sitting there. I was like, this is crazy. And the podcast can be found anywhere anyone gets their podcast, Podcast Valley Sunday. Um, you guys are on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook. And uh, you can even, we put them up on YouTube as well. <laughs> um, in our last episode, Britt was telling us about her new latch hooking hobby. But Paco, you have one of the most epic quarantine projects going. <laughs> Uh, stop motion remake of the Beastie Boys sabotage video. <laughs> yeah, just a little project. Yeah, how's that going? It's going good. I'm starting, I do them 20 scenes at a time. So I'll make everything I need to make for 20 scenes, then shoot those 20 scenes, and then make everything for the next 20 scenes. Because it's like it's all paper, cart, cardboard, and foam. And I cut everything out and do it like a frame by frame reenactment of sabotage. And just uh, just for anyone that doesn't know much about stop motion animation, how long does it take to make one second of footage? So one second, it'd be 24 shots. And then that all depends on what's going on. So it's like if I get a shot done in like a day or two, I'm pretty like, okay, I got that done quick. Once everything is set up, once everything is made. So it's it was one of those things where I thought of it. Because I wanted to learn more stop motion. And I was like, ooh, if I could have something to base it off of, like to copy, that'd be cool. And I thought of Sabotage because I love the Beastie Boys. And that video is so iconic. And it's kind of like a cartoon anyway. And then it's like as I'm doing it more and I'm trying to get all the details in, it's just like, holy crap, man. <laughs> what did I do here? <laughs> but You're in what deep done, is what you are. Yeah. So you must be the only person maybe hoping for another lockdown because then it forces you – to do it <laughs> pretty much man like it sounds terrible but it's like i really do love doing it and it's, it's a lot of fun and it from making films the traditional way to now doing it this way it's like if you need more actors you just have to make them <laughs> if you need a location you just make it so it's kind of nice in that way it's, you don't got to hustle with too much in the outside world which is impossible now you don't anyway. have to rely on anyone else and that's a big, mm -hmm. big motivator to, to do stop motion. <laughs> and that's just a personal project, right? Yeah. It's just to learn how to do stop motion better and to do something to show the love for Beastie Boys. And, and another reason I did it was like, I've made a bunch of stuff 
and no one's cared. I put it out and who cares? But with this, I'm like, I bet you people would want to see the stop motion thing when it's done. So it's like, we'll try it out and we'll see if people give a crap. And if not, oh, well, it was just two years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what would you be doing anyway? What is anyone doing right now anyway? Exactly. Yeah, I'd be making more bread. Yeah, sourdough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you do check out Corduroy Frames on Instagram, there's a side-by-side shot of the first 20 shots. So you see like the original video and then the video I made beside it. And I think it looks pretty cool. So that's all I can really go for, I guess. I think think that's going to be a big one for you. I think you're going to get a lot of attention when that's done. Thank you. I hope so. Just one little retweet or something, right? That's all it, it takes sometimes. Exactly, exactly. When I put up the side-by-side thing, uh, Sean Lennon liked it. And that was my big like, ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> knows I'm alive, right? Yeah, exactly. So now he gets tagged on everything. So we have to do our little rapid-fire series of questions we do to get to know our guests. But we'll, oh, keep, cool. it short. we'll keep it short and sweet this time. Right, fair enough. Okay, are you ready? Ready. So, Ready or Not debuted in Canada in 1993. Where were you? Ooh, 93, fall 93, I was in grade 10, just starting grade 10. So, before being asked to be a guest on the show, had you ever seen Ready or Not? I'd seen little pieces of it, and obviously I knew it. Like, as soon as you mentioned it the first time, like the first thing, the theme song hits you whether you saw the show or not you knew the theme song and so yeah i knew little piece i knew their names i wasn't a, a a serious watcher of it at the time okay so if you weren't watching ready or not what were you watching in grade school um grade school i was like a big sitcom kind of person i was taping a lot of things a lot of stand-up comedy and stuff from that time was like oh, my jam. interesting and, i see like an extreme amount of friends box yeah. sets behind you <laughs> the whole season or the whole yeah, series the whole series yeah yeah I, when that came out i was definitely watching friends but in grade eight i was like 92 i was watching a lot of like welcome back cotter like 70s sitcoms and stuff okay yeah just leave it to weird. beaver yeah some of that yeah exactly (laughs) okay and we have to ask what was your go-to fashion trend growing up oh man baggy pants not like the junko insane baggy pants but just like the (laughs) big wide leg they'd still cover my shoes right like skater 90s kind of stuff and i'd wear band shirts i don't know if you guys remember this but the uh in the 90s, bands would always take, like, another product and then put their name in it. So, like, for O. Henry, Hayden mm-hmm. had a shirt that said O. Hayden. Yeah. And a lot of stuff like that. So, a lot of those kind of shirts, bright colored, like, orange and bright purple and green. And like, <laughs> very colorful 90s alterno shirts. I can see it. Were you <laughs> were you into Doc Martens? I had a pair of Doc Martens, but then I became more into, like, like the suede Pumas and Adidas oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Like the Band. one stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But you're all back. Yeah. All back in style. <laughs> We're just they painting are. a picture. We're painting a picture for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Um, okay. So season one, episode 12, Wildlife. Britt's going to hit us with the synopsis. So Busy and Amanda try out for a band and their friendship is put to the test. When Busy gets into the band... But Amanda 
is just the band manager. Oh my God. I love the synopsis because it's like, why would we even bother? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready? Oh, you not. <laughs> Can't wait another day. Here we go. Anyways, now we'll see what you got. Okay, we've got Busy played by Lonnie Billard, Amanda played by Laura Bertram. So this episode opens at Busy's house. It's like a real bustling scene with all her brothers and her dad. And Amanda's there with a big suitcase. She's moving in for the week. Her parents are going to a yoga retreat. Um, and one, one of Busy's brothers finds Amanda's diary and is sort of teasing her with it. Can I just throw in here, when he takes that, and he's like, what's in this, poems? I thought it was going to be like a callback to episode two when she wrote that poem for Frankie. And he was oh, yeah. going to see it in the book and be like, oh, my God. Was, <laughs> I went too deep into it. Like, it really, when I saw it, I was like, oh. <laughs> There's not much carryover into each episode. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but there is a heads up. <laughs> not to spoil it, but I think in later seasons, there is a bit of a Frankie Amanda thing. Yeah. So, like, you weren't totally maybe far off. So they get into Busy's bedroom, and Busy's asking Amanda about the diary. Amanda says she tells it her innermost thoughts, but Busy's kind of insulted. She thought Amanda told her her innermost thoughts. Did anyone keep a diary or a journal? Yeah. Yeah, I Did had you? journals for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did oh, you? Yeah. I don't, you know, I, if I see them now, I'm like, oh, man, what's going to be in here? And I open it up, and the first, like, three words, I'm like, no, I don't want to read this <laughs> ever. <laughs> I don't want to relive this. Exactly. I always wrote Dear Diary. Every entry, wrote my entry, and then always wrote Bye for Now. <laughs> nice. That's like your signature? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did it. I think someone told me you have to at least write Dear Diary. I don't know. My mom used to give me diaries like as gifts every year, and I know she gave them to me so I'd like write in them and then she could read them. <laughs> but you know what I outsmarted her because the ones she gave me I wrote like really wholesome things in them and then I like had separate ones that I put all the juicy stuff in <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome anyways so Busy and Amanda go to the zoo Amanda's taking pictures she's like working on a collage of some sort Busy seems bored pretty sure this is the Toronto Zoo yeah and can I just point out how Mr. Ramon said, ride your bike? I mean, I'm thinking like practically from where they live and where the zoo is, you can't ride your bike. Right. But you're thinking about where they're shooting from. Not, it's just like a general location. But still, <laughs> who lives that close? I guess some people do live that close to the Toronto Zoo, but. I think Mr. Ramon's know. got a lot on his plate. Living in that house, everybody coming and going. Just like, just get on your bike. Just please. Every time we have a guest, it's like, gosh, that Mr. Ramon, what is wrong with him? He's not liked. No. Um, so they're riding their bikes home from the zoo, and they come across like a garage band playing. The garage door is open, so the band is like putting on a little show. Now, I understand why Busy seems intrigued because she plays the drums, but Amanda seems interested too. Maybe because there's like just older guys. That's what I assumed. Yeah. She seems like, because she's instantly into the dude of the episode. 
like it's a to recall podcast valley sunday much like davy jones every episode has a girl he's in love with the whole time that's a <laughs> really good comparison <laughs> So they're pretty bold in this scene. They both go like just cruising up the driveway on their bikes with their like ill-fitting helmets. And from like 10 feet away, they're just like gawking at like, well, the lead singer, right? They think he's hot. And then the band abruptly stops playing their like heavy metal version of the ABCs. So they all look over at Busy and Amanda and one of them is like, hey, this is private property. And then what does the singer do here? Does he hiss like a cat or something? Is this this part? Well, he like regurgitates his heart. <laughs> oh, this, yes. And then he uh, does like a lasso and like whips it way behind Busy and Amanda. <laughs> and then Busy and Amanda like look over their shoulder like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) The bass player is like playing the soundtrack for this like dramatic presentation. And then Busy and Amanda both turn back to the band and they're like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) So the lead singer then hisses at them and the bass player says, the Liz says get lost. (laughs) The Liz. (laughs) Okay, so there's a lot to talk about here. Yes. Paco, yes. I was going to see if you recognize this band or anyone in it. Uh, the bass player looks really familiar. I couldn't place what he was. I didn't have time to look him up or anything, but he oh. definitely looks very familiar to me. I bet you know him from Psy Factor. That could be, I said to my wife, though, I was like, <laughs> he's in some other Canadian show. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, guys. This is the first time we're meeting the Liz and his band. The Liz is played by Karem Maliki Sanchez, and the band is actually his real-life band called Blue Dog Picked. So those other two people in the band are actually in his band in real life. Right, and the bass player just so happens to be Keith White, who plays Tim on the original Degrassi. Okay. That's what you know him from. Yeah, and I wasn't sure if he kind of looked like, uh, was it BLT from uh, Degrassi? He, he, I was like, is it him? But it doesn't look like him enough to be him. And he'd be too young, blah, blah, blah. But that's it from the original. Interesting. Yeah. He was on Degrassi 87 to 91. Uh, so I was able to track down Karem or the Liz on Insta. He's at Karem Songs. That's K-E-R-A-M Songs. I suppose this is like his solo music account. But he was happy to chat with me. He said he was cast as the actor to play the Liz because at the time he like really had the look going that they were looking for. And if you don't remember the Liz, he's got like long hair on top that's like braided, shaved on the sides. He's got these like weird sort of piercing silver eyes. In this scene, he's wearing like a long black trench coat and like huge black boots, like very early 90s rock. Yeah. Um, so he was cast to play the Liz and he brought up the idea to bring his real band in and the writers just sort of ran with it, gave the guy some lines and then ended up giving them like three more episodes after this one. Huh. Hmm. But I guess this blue dog picked was like really big in the Toronto music scene in the early nineties. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. It didn't ring any bells for me. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, Karem, when I started like asking questions about the band, he led me to another podcast called Rave and Drool. 
Actually, we're coming up to be a guest on Raven Drool for the Sonic Onion documentary. Oh, okay. So they just did. Uh, yeah. So they do like interviews with 90s Canadian rock musicians. And this is super weird timing, but like just in February. So like last month, they released like three hours of interviews with this Karem where he tells the story of Blue Dog Pick. Really? Yeah. And you know what? It's really interesting. Like a lot of times I'll just like dapple into something I'm trying to look up. And I sat through all three hours <laughs> of Blue Dog Picked. Yeah. So I won't say too much because like, well, the podcast does an awesome job of it. It's a it's a great interview with him. He talks about like how the band started when he was 15, how we used to hang out with like all the original Degrassi kids and like get high and they'd come to his shows and stuff. He did like some show called Catwalk with like pre-scream Nev Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Catwalk. Oh, you do? I was going to say, I don't remember this show. Um, I don't at all. But I feel like I would have been really into it. Yeah, it's a, uh, I can't remember any specifics of it, but I, it's one of those shows again, when you hear it, it's like, oh yeah, Catwalk. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, basically it's a whole, but a few like 20 somethings that form a band called Catwalk. Okay. And he's like the main guy. Like he's the singer guitarist of the band. Oh, he is. He's like a main character on the show. Yeah. It was on YTV for two seasons. Okay. YTV. But this guy has a pretty interesting story, but he does seem to claim that Blue Dog Picked was like his biggest missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently uh, right before they disbanded in like the mid nineties, there was a bunch of like major record labels that were interested in them. Uh, But it's not super clear what happened to them. Actually, I believe the line on the website reads, and then suddenly it was gone. (laughs) Ooh, cryptic. He's done like quite a bit of acting. So maybe that's sort of what happened. He went more down the acting road, could be. I I mean, I recognized him, but couldn't quite place him. So when I looked him up, he's in American History X. Oh, Okay. So he's one of Edward Furlong, that that character, Danny. He's one of Danny's friends. Well, you know what? He does have an interesting look. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Well, I also recognized him. He was in True Blood. Okay. Just for two episodes, he played a sheriff in True Blood, like of like an area of vampires. Okay, yeah, True Blood's about vampires. He did. Yeah. He said he was. He said he was based in L.A. Now, yeah. Oh. Okay, so Busy and Amanda are like, um, that's his name, the lizard. Uh, but they say they won't bother him. They're just watching, but they make them leave and they like shut the garage door dramatically. (laughs) So the girls are both like pretty smitten with the Liz. They do like a secret handshake about it. Back in Busy's bunk beds, Busy is talking about how she'd like to play the drums for the band. And the next day the girls go back. It just looks like they're just coming right out and asking if Busy can play the drums. But the Liz says negative. The Liz doesn't talk. (laughs) Yes, you gotta make that clear. Yeah, the band talks for the Liz. And they find out the band's name is Neon Vomit. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that is a great rock band TV show name. Like a parent would just be like, oh, of course, that's what bands are called nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, the girls are gushing about that too. They say, oh, it's perfect. 
<laughs> but Paco, you played in a band at one point. Oh yeah, a few bands. Oh yeah. Any good around. band names? Not to be honest, not really. We had no good ones. Not like Neon Vomit. I can tell you that. But uh, yeah, I think one of the best names we had was Soaker. And a callback, we did shirts with the Snapple logo, but it said Soaker instead. <laughs> so that's my biggest one, I guess. Well, yeah. my three friends and I had a girl group we called For Real. <laughs> F-O-R or just F-O? Uh, obviously, it was with the number four. Um, that was going to be my next thing. <laughs> was there four of you? Yeah, four. Okay. And then like in photos, we would put up four fingers. <laughs> wow, even photos. I feel well, like that name is taken. Like there's probably another band with that name. Yeah, you'd think so because it's so damn clever, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of jams did you guys do? Oh, we used to like um, change the words to like Disney songs. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so like Weird Al kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Parodies. Yeah, we did a really great uh, rendition of uh, Take Me Down to the Paradise City. <laughs> Wait, I thought you read a Disney songs. We were really experimenting with our genres. <laughs> Britt, were you ever in a band? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you have to have like a band name like on the back burner, right? Like just in case. I don't think I ever thought about it, to be honest. I don't think, I feel like I did think about it later, but could never think of a good one. And then try, you know, then there were bands like that were just one word, right? Like Sublime or Nirvana. So then I'm like, okay, well, like what one word would it be? And then could still never think of one. Actually, since you brought that up, I was in a girl band in high school and we called ourselves Snatch. (laughs) (laughs) and what was that music like (laughs) oh we just like played covers of blink 182 and whatnot i didn't wait what was your role in the band because i never really realized you were so musically inclined well that's a thing i'm not but i (laughs) okay i was supposedly the bass player (laughs) because you know josie and the pussycats came out and i was like all over it oh yeah that would have been a big one. Anyways, we're we're going off here, guys. So back at the bunk beds, Amanda's got her headgear on again. I love that she wears the headgear at night. I had to do that as well. Did you? Yeah, I uh, had headgear. You know what? We were talking about that in the last episode. We did a little poll on our Instagram, and like it was 50-50. A lot of people said they knew really? the one who used headgear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was I was such a chubby little kid that like my cheeks were like it was right up against my cheeks. It was right around me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you have to wear it during the day? Uh, no, just at night. I think when I first got it, because I was a kid and stupid, I was like, yeah, man. I like wore it outside. I was like, this is radical. And then like 45 seconds later, I was like, okay, this is going to be a nighttime thing. <laughs> You thought you were like a robot or something, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm a teenager now. I've got braces. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Amanda only has to wear it at night now. The girls are talking about how intense the Liz is. 
Amanda's writing in her diary and she decides the girls need to take some initiative trying to get into the band. So Amanda wants to be in the band too, wants to play the triangle. Of course. (laughs) Did you notice the pen that Amanda was writing with in the bunk beds? I was going to bring that up too, that bendy pen. Yeah, those like foam pens. Oh, I thought you were going to say it had like a koosh on it or something. No, it was just foam, but I don't think you could bend it because then you'd hit like where the ink was in the pen. Yeah, it was like the the halfway you could bend the top part. (laughs) Yeah, this this episode actually had a bunch of those little like 90s products in it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There was something Britt and I were talking about. There was like a bag that... Busy had hanging on the back of her door. It was like a pink bag with a face on it and had like arms and legs. Yeah, I saw that too. Very reminiscent of the 90s, but like we both were trying to look it up on the internet and we couldn't pick like it. the name of it or anything. <laughs> so back at the garage, the band is playing and Busy has now set up her drums outside and is playing along with the band. So the garage door opens and reveals Busy and Amanda in the driveway. But it's pretty clear in this episode, the guys in the band are actually playing the instruments. But I, I agree. Having the, the guys and Busy actually be playing the instruments was a really good touch, I think. Because that's always a thing that sticks out when the actors don't know how to play. And I think Busy's a really good drummer, too. So it was like... Like she could audition for that band and you could take it seriously, I thought. Yeah, I was going to ask, because you're like our music expert for the day. Like we always think that Busy is a good drum player, but she's actually a pretty good drum player, right? Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, you can tell like even at the very beginning when I didn't know she could actually play and she just does a couple like little drum fills or something. Like when she's outside of the garage, it's like, oh, okay, this is this is awesome. She actually... As an actor, she knows how to play drums. Yeah. Um, do you think Busy and Amanda had to bike over the drums, or do you think Mr. Ramon gave them a ride? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a really good question, because what do you think, like, yeah, he would have had to sit there while they, like, unloaded the drums. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's just crazy to think that they never open that garage door while they're setting up the whole drum kit. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> or, 20 or, minutes. <laughs> or if they biked over one drum at a time. So if they opened it up, there's just a kick drum sitting there. <laughs> like, what is this? And I, I've got to say for Busy, that was a bold move. Like setting the drums up in the driveway and just playing along and hoping this is going to do it. Like you're, you're going all in with that move. Oh, yeah. And the guys are like a few years older than them, too. Mm-hmm. So that that's a really bold move. Um, so busy, like you said, busts out like a little drum solo. She's trying to impress neon vomit and they seem to like it. Yep. Amanda is just kind of like grooving along to the drums while she plays. But then when busy's done, Amanda busts out into song, which also brings us to the most cringe worthy part of the episode. So the cringe worthy Part of the episode is just the most cringy, most awkward, most embarrassing or uncomfortable part. And for me, this was it when she started singing. It was so awkward and uncomfortable. Uh, Yeah. yeah, You nailed it. Yeah. It's a song that she wrote. And just in case you don't remember the scene, 
I have to sing it for you because it's going to ring all the ready or not bells. Go for it, Miss For Real. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes, save the animals, save the trees, save the earth for you and me. Picking up garbage can be a hassle. So save the earth, our home, our castle. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and I do believe my skill level as a singer is about on par with what Amanda's was. In this yeah. scene. <laughs> it's almost like that scene in The Hangover where Zach Galifianakis sings like we're the three, four best friends oh, yeah. that anyone can have. And he just keeps going. That's what that scene was like. It was like, oh, my God, is this going to stop right now? Yeah. Uh, so oh. the guys in the band are not impressed. Also, Amanda's wearing this like very fancy outfit. I think it's the same outfit she wore to meet Bonsai in a previous episode, but now she's got one of those like floppy Dr. Seuss hats on (laughs) in her signature color, purple. Remember those Dr. Seuss hats? Oh, yeah. But this is another sort of throwback with weird timing because Dr. Seuss just got canceled. Big time. The Dr. Seuss people announced that there's like a bunch of titles they won't be publishing anymore because of like hurtful or wrong imagery. It's like racist content, supposedly, but like lesser known titles, nothing like I didn't recognize any of the titles. Is the Sneetches on there? No. Okay. No. No. Yeah. It's not like a one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish situation. It's no, it's nothing. No, it's nothing like that. And then I think like eBay and stuff started blowing up because people were trying to get a hold of those like limited edition books. Uh, Anyways. I also am going to call my style watch at this part of the episode. Work it, work it, baby. Is it the Dr. Seuss hat? No, I've got more style than that. (laughs) So the style watch is the part of the episode where we pick a fashion item that has maybe already come back or we want it to come back. And I think this one is obvious. It's tie dye, but not. So Amanda's wearing tie dye. Okay. Hers is like a bold, obvious tie dye with her peace sign medallion. But if you notice, take a closer look. Petrocelli. 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 Yeah. <laughs> the bass player is also wearing tie dye, but it's mm-hmm. more subdued. And I think that is a bit more fashionable. Leisure wear, athleisure yes. wear is going yeah. tie dye. Busy's yeah. wearing a ton of tie dye in this episode, too. Yeah. She's got a pair of pants that are like tie dye green on one side and tie dye red on the other side. Yeah. A little much, but <laughs> oh, I would wear those so much. Ma- so, like every day, I would wear those if I had those. In <laughs> my early '90s hip hop phase, I had a pair of shorts where one leg was red, one leg was green, and the back was black. <laughs> <laughs> was it tie dye? <laughs> no, I wish it's like weird denimy material. I bet those will come back. Just give it a summer. Yeah, I probably still have them, so I'll start the trend. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. But Laura Bertram plays this character so well. She's supposed to be awkward while she's singing and she's like nailing it. I had to She's not a singer, I don't think, is she? No. I think her like her like list of skills. I think she's like a ballet dancer as a kid. Okay, I was going to say we better make sure she's not like a classically trained singer and here we are saying how bad she is. 
Yeah. We'd be canceled for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, the band is like, get out of here. But Busy sort of apologizes for Amanda, uh, says she didn't tell her to sing, but that she wanted them to hear her play the drums. I think it's odd that Busy and like the band never bring up the fact that the band doesn't have a drummer. Yeah. Like, I thought that noticeably at the beginning, they're lacking a drummer. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be like your go-to selling point? Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, you need a drummer. I am one. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Just, they just don't bring it up at all. The fact that it's like a completely missing piece for the band. And they apparently have a show coming up very soon, too. So they should be kind of in more of a panic mode to get a drummer than they seem to be. Yeah. So the band has like a little powwow and one of them comes over and says, Busy is in and Amanda is out. And then Busy and Amanda argue because Busy wants to play in the band and Amanda's mad she's going to do it without her. Um, And Amanda storms off like a three-year-old who's not allowed to watch Paw Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think Busy has ever heard the line, ovaries before (laughs) broveries. I also have never heard that line. I had to look up on the internet, like the equivalent, like what's the female one? And that came up as an option. Wouldn't it just be hoes before bros? Well, I think that was what came up. But then there's like sisters before misters. <laughs> sisters. What What was wow. the ovary one? Ovaries before broveries. <laughs> it was like That's... a really bad Reddit thread. So, you know. That was, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Your like Googling skills are really getting better and better as this podcast goes on, I think. I thought you were going to say they're getting worse because I, I think there's like old people don't know how to Google, right? It's like you'll get a text from, you know, an older relative like, oh, where can I find this? And it's like, duh, the internet, like just Google it. Let me just Google that for you and then send you what I find. Basically. Yeah, saves time. <laughs> but but when I can't God. find something I'm looking for, I think it must be the way I'm searching. I don't know how to do those searches properly. Yeah, my wife's way bad, better at it than I am. I look for something, like, I can't find anything. And then she looks it up and she's got 12 things instantly. It's almost like she looks for the exact same words. But somehow it comes up better for her. Well, I think that's just like, you know, when a man says, oh, I can't find it. And then the woman goes in and it's like right there, you know, like a man look. So, <laughs> Same yeah, thing. something like that. Yeah. Look at Google. <laughs> Later on, the argument continues to sum it up. They both have a thing for the Liz and Amanda is super gel. Yeah. So back at the bunk beds. Amanda's writing in her diary. She's mad at Busy. Her headgear is really the icing on the cake in this episode, eh? Oh, yeah. It keeps coming back. Well, every night she has to put it on. (laughs) Writing in her diary all mad, also wearing headgear. Okay, back at the garage. Busy shows up for band practice. And Amanda is like Cinderella style sweeping the floor in the garage. And she tells Busy she's now the manager of the band. The guys in the band are bossing her around, like telling her to go get pizza. 
And now there's this montage of Amanda trying to sell tickets to a rock concert she wants to put on to help save the animals. Uh, of course. One thing I have to say with this is people are really into seeing neon vomit. Like <laughs> she's selling tickets like crazy. <laughs> People are buying them as if they know who Neon Vomit is. Yeah. I was happy that the guy in like the dinosaur house coat didn't <laughs> yeah. buy one. So I was like, if this guy buys one, it's pushing it too far. But the fact is like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not doing this. I'm like, okay. At least one person's like, <laughs> I'm like 30 years old. I'm not going to see Neon Vomit to save the planet. I did notice that too, especially growing up around like guys who played in bands. Like people are not willingly buying tickets to unknown band shows yeah especially yeah. to save the planet <laughs> well i think she had a bit of the whole like girl guide thing going for her though you know like she's in grade six selling tickets it's a pity buy that's yeah, true. yeah. That's true. oh get off the porch like here's the four bucks <laughs> yeah. cut back to the bunk beds Busy's in her room alone um, and comes across Amanda's diary. Uh, we get this super quick internal battle and then she decides to read it. Yeah. She finds a page that says, Busy is a snob. She shows off in front of the band and constantly playing her drums. How dare she? Practice that instrument. How dare she practice an instrument and follow her dreams? Um, so Amanda tries to make amends, but now Busy's pissed. There's this great shot next of Amanda carrying a huge neon vomit sign across the road, and she almost gets hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> I love the handmade signs. Yeah, it, there's, she's not putting that up on a telephone pole. It's like a, two Bristol boards big. Yeah, one thing I said was with her bed, she's hustling for that band. Like she believes yeah. in that band a lot. I feel like every band has that one fan. Like it's their buddy or the one person who doesn't play instruments. But then that's the weird thing. So I've never been in a band to know that what that would be like. But if you have that one fan who's just willing to do anything, are you kind of like, oh, that's so great. They're so cool. This is awesome. Or are you kind of like, I mean... She's kind of weird. <laughs> no, you soak it up. Do you? <laughs> You're happy Any, anyone's helping you. Anyone that's willing to help her sell tickets, of course. But then she's like hanging around in the garage. But I guess she's buying them chips and pizza. And yeah. sweeping the floor <laughs> in yeah. the garage. So I, guess, yeah. I guess they'd want to keep her around. Yeah, but super embarrassing for busy. Yeah. Um. And then Amanda catches Busy getting like a private concert from the Liz in the garage. The guys in the band say some douchey stuff to Amanda and she runs off all embarrassed again. But the Liz finally speaks. Whoa. <laughs> he, he tells the guys to shut up. They're making fun of Amanda's song about the environment. And the Liz says that they've written worse songs. He calls them a bunch of jerks. Uh, so the girls are back at the zoo. Again. By the elephant exhibit, which we get another really weird sign of the times here because the Toronto Zoo, did you hear about this? They don't have elephants anymore. They're gone. Oh, really? Yeah. It was Thanks like, to 
Oh, I was going to say, do you know who got rid of the elephants at the zoo? Well, I know who paid for them to be shipped to California. Bob Barker. Bob Barker paid for them to be shipped to like, what do they call it? Not a sanctuary sanctuary in California, because back in like 2011 ish, there was like a series of weird deaths amongst the elephants. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. And then in 2013, they got them shipped out. And I don't think they've had elephants since. Mm -hmm. And I think African lion safari might still have an elephant or two. I caught a clip of a Joe Rogan podcast and someone on that was like, we're coming for you. Oh, really? He directed some documentary about saving a walrus from captivity. Something along those lines. Oh, Phil Demers. That's, the walrus think, whisperer? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's him. And I, he said something along the lines of like, you know, they're kind of, they're next. Oh, wow. Because I think he's Canadian and was talking about our laws here. And Yeah, he's anyway. from Welland. He's from Welland, actually. Oh, is he? I talked to him one time about doing a podcast. He wanted to do, put on a podcast, and but it was about his whole thing, trying to get that walrus saved and all that. Yeah, because I think he must have been instrumental in changing the laws at Marineland, too, because that's what he was kind of talking about mm-hmm. with Joe Rogan for that little clip. Yeah, it's pretty oh. crazy, the stuff hmm. he's done. Yeah, Small world. Yeah. This Ready or Not episode is really bringing up all kinds <laughs> of stuff, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but in this episode of ready or not which was shot in the 90s there's a bunch of clips of elephants at the Toronto zoo okay so busy finds amanda shoving the concert ticket money into the animal donation box she says she doesn't trust busy and her new friends to donate the money amanda is hot in this scene (laughs) so busy tells amanda that the liz stood up for her And that seems to put the fire out a little bit. Um, They decide they don't have to do everything together. They hug the end. (laughs) It's a good wrap up. Well, except (laughs) where was the concert? Well, the concert happened later, I guess. Because Busy is still in the band. Yeah. Moving forward. Amanda is no longer involved, I don't think. But Busy's still still there. And like I said, we do get more of Neon Vomit, three more episodes of them. That's right. pretty cool. That's cool. That continues on with Busy in the band. Paco, you've watched all of the episodes up to this one. Almost. I didn't get them all in because I also started listening to the podcast too. So I was doing them each together. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for listening. Oh, no <laughs> <laughs> Will you be watching more, do you think? Honestly, yeah, I'm in now. Like, A, it's the 90s nostalgia of it that I really like. B, it's just cool. It sounds silly now, but I think as I get older, I like seeing young people and how they interact and how they grow up and how they learn their lessons kind of a thing. And especially when it's set in the 90s, I look at kids then and I think of kids now and I don't really know much about kids now because I don't have kids or anything, but I feel that the experiences are very different, but very similar. We always love catching like the stuff that the writers and the directors put in there that you wouldn't catch as a kid. Yeah, and oh, definitely. You're picking a lot of stuff up as an adult uh, rewatching. I think this is, been my favorite episode to date it's my favorite episode and it's 
for sure has the cringiest moment of the entire season yeah. when Amanda sings the song about the environment. <laughs> it's very reminiscent of like season, early seasons of American Idol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Everyone's waiting for this question, Paco. Are you a busy or an Amanda? See, that's a good question. Because uh, I would have probably said back in the day more of an Amanda. Listening now, and you've also touched on uh, on your podcast, is like, Busy's the one who has her head on her shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like the one I'd have more in common with and could probably chat with. So I think I'm more of a a, a busy kind of fan. I'd say. Most people are saying they relate to Busy more. Well, because I think Busy is like, when you're when I was a kid, I probably I definitely was not the busy. She's like the friend that your parents really like. Yeah, yeah. And now as you get older, you're like, oh yeah, she's in there to be like the adult of the situation. She has more of the answers than the questions, it seems a lot of times. Yeah. Amanda's got a lot of questions. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of questions. I want to know what show has the better theme song? Monkeys or ready or not. Ooh. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm partial to Monkey's theme song. So iconic that for me, I take that. But as far as like an actual song goes, though, I don't know. The Ready or Not one's a pretty good song as far as uh, theme songs go for TV shows. Because like I said, as soon as you brought it up, it was right in my head instantly. Yeah. I always think it's similar theme song wise to the Friends theme song. Like it's a song that you would hear on the radio mm -hmm. and not think like we were talking about this when the girls from the Degrassi podcast were on like the Degrassi theme song is a theme song. And yeah. <laughs> this one could go like on the radio, uh, give us a couple more verses and uh, it'd be a hit, right? <laughs> Maybe Snatch could bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have to really go digging for the original bandmates. <laughs> yeah. Well, Paco, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, thank you. It's been great. If you want to just quickly remind everyone what your podcast is called, where they can find you. Yeah. Podcast is called Podcast Valley Sunday, a monkey's fan companion. You can find it on iTunes, you can Spotify, we have it up on YouTube, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, you can check us out. Um, you can also check out the Sabotage recreation as it's being made. Go to Instagram and go to Corduroy Frames. Oh, and Corduroy Paco on YouTube if you're interested. And you said something briefly about being on Raven Drool. Yeah, uh, we just got in touch, or they just got in touch with us about being on uh, one of their episodes to plug the uh, Sonic Onion documentary and talk 90s stuff. All right, and with that, we'll let you get out of here and get back to the uh, stop motion. Yeah, I, I could have gotten half a second done by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for playing. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. I had a great time. Again, I hope I, I didn't talk too much. <laughs> we love it. The more, the better. Awesome. And that concludes another episode of Still Not Ready. Be sure to subscribe and auto-download wherever you get your podcasts because we've got our big season finale coming up. Find us on Instagram at stillnotreadypod and join the conversation. And be sure to let us know, did you keep a diary in grade school?
Do you remember Blue Dog Picked from the Toronto music scene in the early 90s? If you had a band, what was your band's name? I'm still Amy. And I'm still Brett. And you've just found out we're still not ready. 